Reimagine right here, right now. We are love, love, love by an unending love. Synagogue Part 2. Do you belong to a synagogue? Yes. Where where do you belong? I belong to the Jewish Center on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Is that uh, where? What denomination would that be? It's Orthodox. Uh, do you guys belong to a synagogue? No. No. You both don't. Correct. Correct. Is that uh, voluntarily, or will you join a synagogue eventually? Maybe. No, we will not join a synagogue. Probably, most likely not. <laughs> we may. <laughs> if you start one, I'll join. Oh, is that right? Uh, just a quick follow-up. Why don't you belong to the synagogue? You sound pretty decisive that you don't want to be a member. Because we send our kids to Jewish day school. We celebrate Shabbat every week. And we are going to be doing our kids' bar and bat mitzvahs in Israel. Do you concur? Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Reimagine welcomes Rabbi Micah Peltz and Rabbi Daniel Levitt. One of the things that we haven't talked about a little, which I think is important on this, is the growing diversity of, of you know, young Jews, right? So, you know, and how do we think about synagogue? We're thinking about, um, uh, you know, mixed in, intermarried couples, Jews of color, but gay and lesbian, transsexual, right? Like, this is a really complicated change. Yeah, we're, we're also leaving Israel out of the conversation right now, but, but that's going to matter. That, it's yeah. going to be hard. It's a good point, too. Right or yeah. not, or smart or not, it doesn't, that's, it's going to matter. Yeah. Did you see that there was some poll that just came out that is really just shocking of like 18 to 24 year olds, some significant polling organization asked them what they thought. And like 30 percent of 18 to 24 year old American young American Jews thought the term apartheid Israel was appropriate, like like really like disturbing. Yeah. Right. So I think you're right. I think it's going to become and, and that, by the way, talk about so being able to talk. We're not talking so Israel. I, we, can't, to, we can't talk Israel today. I don't have enough challenge. That, that would turn that kiddish into yeah. a food fight. Right? Like, <laughs> but but it, it is. I mean, I, not to turn Israel conversation, but but I think Daniel raised an important point, which is, you know, again, what's happening in a large society we're not immune from, and we're living in a polarized time where there's all sorts of things that are not right. just about whether you believe this or that, but it's about people's identity, yep. right? Like their yep. identity is their political affiliation, which ties into all sorts yeah. of other things. I, and I how do you sustain communities in that, in that so, environment? It's... Yeah. I know somebody who felt alienated because he, he, he went to a very thri- large, thriving conservative synagogue. The, the rabbi was very political, and most people love it, and it was their politics, but my bro- it turned my brother off. You know, he doesn't right. know. You right. know and, and that's, I, I think, I'm not going to go there. Again. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, go there. It's yes. all good. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I, my observation from being an Orthodox person who, who's only professionally been in pluralistic space is this is not true for everybody. This is a general generality, but I see a conflation between um, political passion mm-hmm. and social justice and, and spirituality on the left, you know, on, in the non-Orthodox world. I got things to say about the Orthodox world too, but I, I often, not with everybody, but I often see that there is a, like, of course, social justice is a mitzvah, right? right? When, like, technically, it's not so simple. Not that right. it's not a mitzvah, but, like, tikkun olam doesn't, didn't first mean social justice. It right. meant that, like, God's going to fix the world when, like, Messiah comes. And maybe that happens through people doing social justice, right? But that that's a new thing on people's consciousness. And that takes the place of 
of a God consciousness, of a passion for yeah. religion, often, not always, but often. And, 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 I, and, and I don't know if anybody's noticing that, what to do about that. So just to balance it out, I agree 100%, right? And I think that that's an issue that you find to the left. I think on the right, oftentimes you find people's religion is APAC, right? Or, or maybe even it's yeah. ZOA, right? Or, or it's throwing and rocks it's, at people. Like, you missed the point yeah. also. Right. right. And it, it just, but again, maybe, like, maybe in a much worse way. Like, I'm and, not, not saying that. And it just, I think it just comes down to how people see themselves, right? Their identity gets tied up in their politics so much more than at least in today, our lifetimes Today, here. so much. And, and that, that religion suddenly becomes something that, now, I often feel you know, when I when I speak, you know, people what people want to hear most is they want the rabbi to agree with them, of right? And I don't speak about I try not to speak politics that often. I try to speak from Torah, you know, and whatever, whatever. But it's you know, I remember once during the the in twenty sixteen election, um, I you know when Trump was running against Clinton, and I, I gave a sermon about about lying, right? Not, I did not mention any like, and it was. It was shot in the Torah. I forget what Parsha it was, but <laughs> yeah. shot in the Torah. And I had people go up to me, Kiddush. Some people said, I know you're really talking about Trump. And others said, I know you're really talking about Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and it's like, so what did you do? Everybody thought you were. <laughs> or they I, I, I some more tuna fish. Uh, so, so hold on a second. So how do you make the synagogue the place? And right, it's divisive right now. It's political. And I, I read, you know, I really love Jonathan Sachs, a blessed memory. I always read his stuff. Actually, there's a great book called Morality that just mm. came out and it I talks about I read. I on it last year. There it's a great so book. So I'm halfway through me, it. not me, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he always was a big proponent of not speaking. You know, rabbis should not be speaking politics in synagogue, right? It shouldn't be part of their platform. But it's just so pervasive now. It, it, I feel like it's all bleeding together. And, yeah. and you know, and, and so how do you... It's, you know, it's impossible to avoid because sometimes not saying something is saying something yeah, too. That's true exactly. too. You know? yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt that I personally felt that way point. about the immigration. If everybody point. in the Senate, like it's something that came up in, we were being trained in rabbinical school. Like if everybody's thinking about something and you know, everybody's thinking about something and you don't say something like people think you're avoiding it. You, know? yeah. like, you have to find a way it, to win. It's, it's, it's a big problem though, because I'm, I'm sort of simple minded in a way of that. The thought is orthodox is to the right and conservative is to the left. And is it like, you that, still think that I'm, after knowing me? No, I'm just saying in <laughs> very simplistic simple. terms, it seems that that's the that's way so, it's very like easy. trending on my social. Am media I wrong? I mean, that's the way people are thinking well, about it. I don't know how much you've seen, but there's this, this new Netflix show. Oh, that, yeah. that depicts yeah, yeah. Orthodox women in a certain light, right? Right. Oh, that God. and Orthodox women are are not happy about that, sure. and it's coming from from women themselves. You know, right. saying like, "Look at me, look who I am." Yeah, I cover my hair. I don't feel oppressed, and this is why I don't feel oppressed. And right. you know, so it's too, it's too simplistic. So I, yeah. if, if I could just just respond to that, because yeah, I, I think yeah. um, first of all, what I, what I try to say to people is, I will never be partisan, but sometimes I have to be political. Right. Okay. Like right. I, 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 I will never, going, yeah. I will never endorse a candidate or a party. <laughs> right. But I will speak to Jewish values, and you know what? Jewish values are going to speak to what's happening in right. the world. Lying and, is wrong, right. and, and that's part of my responsibility way. to right. teach those, teach those values. Yeah. Um, and and two, the you know the second thing I'll say is if you know you want Judaism to be well, actually, what I wanted to say was. There's always this tension in I mean, synagogue and Jewish community between, you know, a sanctuary being a place of comfort and also being a place of challenge, mm -hmm. right? And and people on any given Shabbos, some are there because of a really rough week and they've been driven crazy by the politics and they just need a break from it and it needs to be their sanctuary. 
the other people who come who, you know, want to be challenged, right? And uh, I find fewer and fewer people, especially over the last four or five years, want to be challenged and more people want to be the place of sanctuary. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. And I see one of my challenges is trying to find that balance, mm-hmm. right? Recognizing I can't challenge every week or I'm going to drive people crazy, but I also abdicate my rabbinic responsibility if I just go yeah, comfort, sure. comfort, so, comfort all day long. So trying to figure yeah. that out is, yeah. is part sure. of the art. So one of the things I but think we've I, lost. That I was talking about yeah. how Orthodox women speak for themselves and I, and like I'm right next to an Orthodox woman who was not speaking for herself on that. She wants to say something. I'm not saying she has to say something. I'm just, I don't want to. Yeah. Her not I saying just, something is saying something. Apparently. I didn't see yeah. it. I'm very disappointed that there is only one portrayal of Orthodox in the media, and it is that. Yeah, well, there, like, there are a few, but they're many, problematic. They're all, it's all, it's Netflix, all the same. crazy. But like, Schtissel? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Schtissel looks just like me. Sorry. I wanted to shift for a second, because I think one of the questions we're asking is, in this in this really, um, this polarized world, how do we how do we come together, right, and not, and avoid this issue of, like, micro-communities? And uh, one of the things I think we've lost in American Jewry is... Um, that we focus so much on praying together and spiritual spaces and ritual spaces and not as much on study together. Right. So I think we have a really interesting, you know, yeah. millennial plus tra- millennium plus tradition of of study as a way of, 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 you know, modality of having a couple of people who may not see eye to eye, but connect in a deeply spiritual and powerful way. Yeah. We've gotten away from that. So like part of my issue with synagogue is you know, I, I actually think if we could get back to, and this is a fantasy, a little bit more base midrash, right? And a little less Jewish like, literacy is so important in terms of belonging, yeah. right? And right. so that's yeah. one of the reasons why people in Orthodox world belong, feel like keep coming back because they feel like they belong because they ha- often, not always, often had a more robust Jewish education, you know? And mm. that, I think that matters enormously. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we, Asher and I, with a few other guys, have, you know, been studying with yeah. Rabbi Yosef. I know we don't agree on a whole bunch of things politically, right? On, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, there's, yeah. I don't know how wide a range it is, but we're able to come together and have some powerful study, right? So it feels like we're putting a lot of pressure on it communally if we just say this has right. to be about what the rabbi says or or, or my, right. my prayer. There's things we connect to. There are communities that are doing that successfully. Right. It's not, this is one of my critiques on the Orthodox brethren is this is not really, like the Orthodox people are, are not participating in the mainstream world. You right. know, it's the people like me on the left of Orthodox who still feel welcome in that world. But most people I know would not participate in these spaces. Mm. So I would say, so in Center City in years past, we had this Kahila Leil, Tikkun yes. Shavuot, which was an all-night learning program. And the entire community participated, including, you know, from... Yeah. Like from, a Limud model. Limud yeah, is awesome. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it was great. And we were sitting there and I was teaching a class and there was like a Chabad guy visiting his family next to a woman covered in tattoos next yeah. to like a kid. And it was amazing. And I was right. like, this is what Shavuot ought to look like. So I think yeah. you're totally right Dan in in focusing in on study and I think that who we look to when we think about how do you create these pluralistic communities that are 
involving tefillah, that are involving prayer, but are also are involving study and also are involving, involving community building, like who are our resource, resources to ensure that we're not throwing meat at each other at Kiddush? And I think that's where you look to these people, these professionals, to Daniel, to professionals who operate in pluralistic spaces, whether it's in college or in the community day school setting, who do this all the time. And the people who are in these communities want to play. Like they right. want to be in these communities. They want to learn how to have connections with people beyond just, I vote for the same candidate as you, or yeah, I believe in the same Israel as you. But like practice. So here's my, this is my, I see places like Lebanon. And I'm like, I want that to be my hello. Like, that's amazing. Right. Why well, everybody would want to be part of that, you know, but, but like, I don't have any students who have a vision of that who want to see. They have no concept of that being true. And and so Hillel has this thing called the Jewish Learning Fellowship. They're on many, many campuses. I should know the numbers um, that we run, and it's very successful. And I, like, almost, I can't say every student. Almost every student who does this program at the end was like, this is so great. I've never really engaged with text before. I really want to do more of this. Right. Right. We were paying them, and they're like, I would do it without the money. This was such a great experience. Right. And then we like try to do programming again for those people without the money. Not so many of them come back. Right. No, and, and like, I'm like, but yeah. you guys said you wanted to do it without the money. Right. Like what? Why? I, like I still haven't cracked that. I'm just busy. I got a lot of it. You know, like I, it comes down to social priorities. Like I think that's a lot you of need it. the women it, of Midian. It takes effort to be part of a community. It takes effort yeah. to learn. It takes effort to. And it's very easy not right. to, quite frankly. And that's also yeah, probably what we're, we're all suffering from, from yeah. attendance and all this stuff is that. It's easy not to do. I mean, you get in your life and you get your, you got, you know, if it's not a priority, like you was saying, it's Saturday is a priority. It's a no brainer. And that's what makes it the continuity at, at, you know, but like, if that's not great, like you go to school, they feed your children. You don't have to (laughs) hang out with them. They have their friends. You have yours. It's wonderful. And then other people cook you meals. Like, who cares about God? And, <laughs> and, you, get, and you get chola. It's, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, it's called a Beit Knesset. Love the chola. It's called a house of gathering. Right. Yeah. This is not called a Beit Tefillah. Right? It's not called a, it's, it's right. not, you, yeah, we can pray there. But, like, the, why we're here is, is to gather. All right. So I'm going to. I just prefer people do the gathering outside of Shul while diving is happening. That's my preference. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> so I asked this question on another podcast, and I'll put it out there. Future of the American synagogue, dark, bright. When you, where, where do you well, see? We didn't it? even talk about COVID. Well, we don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk well, about COVID I, I ever think, again. I'm How's that? Actually, that that COVID yeah. will be the downfall in a good way. Will force innovation. Okay. Um, I, I'm less hopeful than I was six months ago. Okay. But, but like the backyard minion phenomenon, and most of these Orthodox, so many Orthodox synagogues, like everybody I spoke to loves it. It's a smaller group of people. Everybody matters. Everybody has to pitch in a little bit. Sure. You know, and uh, and like like the backyard minion I'm a part of. Nobody was like, we want to renounce our our membership at the synagogue. But very few people are like, I want to go back there, you know, and yeah. Like, yeah, we're like, if we don't, have, if, if we're like, we'll agree to not do Kiddush here and we'll go to Kiddush and Shul, but like this, we'll just be part of the Shul. We dive in here. We're sure. all like, cool. And so like, I, I see that as like, that would be smart if synagogues did that. People like found part of like Judaism. They like to do the smaller group. And then said, but we also want to connect with a larger group. So you see a process of innovation there. I, I'm hoping yeah. for that. And I'm, I see more backyard minyan and shutting down than I want to see. December, January, pretty tough we'll for the backyard minion in it this was, area. I loved it, but I'm like, not for Mike, he's from Minnesota. Time. That January is like summertime. <laughs> Yoella, bright, dark. With, well, can I go last? Oh, all right, fine. You're last. Micah. I think it's bright. And I want to put a spin on what, what Dan said, because okay. I think the backyard minion has primarily been a, a, an orthodox oh, phenomenon yeah. and, and a very good one. Now. Yeah. Herder reform is virtual minion. Yeah. Minion, and that's huge. Right? And, and that's, 
And that I think is really interesting. Um, but, but how are you going to keep your constituents from going to your, you know, your services versus anybody else on Zoom? Because so, he's so that, the best. So I know, but that, that, that actually has yeah. to be a factor now. Because well, yeah. why would I go to my synagogue? I can go to the Central Synagogue. I know I have donors who tell me they go to Central Synagogue's Zoom services now in New York. Yeah, no, I had people emailing me during the pandemic to tell me what other rabbis said at other synagogues. Right. <laughs> I love those emails. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's just one of the many, you know, questions and challenges that it raises, but also opportunities, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many people who, it, it lowered the barrier for people to come to shul, right? For what, people what are, who are worried are about what to numbers? wear or how they're feeling or, or, or who they're going to sit with or all those right. things, Right. It brought people closer in that sense, virtually, right? What, do how you know your Zoom minion numbers? Like, like I, yeah. most sure as I talked to know how their minion have grown. That's yeah. the beauty of I'm Zoom. Sure. You can yeah. know all the stats. You can yeah. also know how long they were on for. Too. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And we can know what they have for breakfast yeah. and what they have for lunch. <laughs> I, I didn't wear anything. Just so you know, what I wore to Shul Zoom was never, never anything without an elastic band around it. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's, uh, that's uh, what we call TMI. Yeah. It's okay. Well, I, th I think everyone wants to know that. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I think it's encouraging. I can't tell you if it's if it's good or bad yet. And I think we're not going to know for 100 years if it's good or bad yet. So we'll come back together then and talk about it. But what I will say is what synagogues are talking about now. And I, and I and again, I present this in a non-judgmental way because I'm we're talking about it, too. But I don't know what to think about it yet. You know, is, yeah. you know, virtual memberships. Right. The people who were, you know, who moved to Florida, right, who missed the community but never found something there can now stay members, right, if you have a virtual option. People who are in Philadelphia, people who are at the shore over the summer, the people who are at other, you know, you, you college students who are further away. I, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't see a ton of college students logging on every shop no, this That morning. was a challenge for us. Our but, services. People were like, why would I go to hell? I can go with my service with my parents. Right, I can go there. Home. Then you have right. something to talk about yeah. when, you, when you FaceTime with your family after the service for your kiddish. You can do that. And, and I admit, on the one hand, that's exciting for me. On the other hand, I worry about what it does to Jewish communities, right? Like we have one, we had one family who, who moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico three years ago, right? They kept their affiliation because they felt so connected to the synagogue that they wanted to have their youngest child's bar mitzvah by us. And they did it. And on the one hand, that was beautiful, right? I, I, I love they felt so connected, love they came back to do it. And we could celebrate that kind of last simcha for them. That's great. On the other hand, they didn't find any connection in Albuquerque, right. right? And that's where they live. And for the health of the Jewish people and for the Jewish life, they need something local, right? right. To have right. that type yeah. of connection. So I, I'm really, you know, both excited and worried by what this virtual world is going to, how it's going to redefine community, because it is. And I think we need to do our best to intentionally make it redefine in a positive way and use, like, like you see in the retail world, right? If you're shopping at a store uh, online, you're more likely to go to it and shop at it in person, right? Is what people in that world tell me. My sister does this stuff, so I hear that's what you do. <laughs> it's true. Um, will that be the same case in community, right? Do you create a virtual brand in that case? You know, does that mean you're going to bring people more to your synagogue and ultimately be a way to thicken or enrich community? Or is it going to make it thinner, mm -hmm. right? And, and not as meaningful. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't really know what the answer to that is, but I think that is something that's going to be very pivotal in redefining synagogues and communities going forward is how we're able to leverage the virtual opportunities in a positive way, in a way that creates more opportunities for in-person connections and lowers barrier for people to get involved and creates more connections for people as, a, as opposed to something that people can just log into and then do sure. something else while that's happening at home. 
Dan? I would say the future is dark. I knew but, that was coming. I, I, but, I, I, but, I, did you I only ask it awesome? so that that's the uh, Yes, but let me just say, but I think the future is dark, <laughs> but... I yeah. would say that it's okay because we all know you need to go through the darkness to get to the light, okay. right? And so yeah. my argument here would be we need creative creative destruction. We need darkness is actually good, right? I yeah. think we are Kodak reinvesting in film <laughs> in a world that is going digital. Right. And so the right. sooner we can expedite in a menchy way a move towards digital, whatever that means, Sorry. right? You know, Codex investing in pharmaceuticals. I now. do, so, and that's yeah. you know, but I with think the times instead of the behind. But I think that's that's really where we are, and I think I think that it's okay that it'll get dark. Look, we like as a Jewish people, we've had worse, right? Yeah. We'll we yeah. will get to the light, but I just think that we have to. There needs to be um, a level of honesty with ourselves, and and uh, and maybe some painful conversations, you know, to be able to sort of expedite the light. Okay. I feel like your comment is very much in the spirit of Tisha B'Av. I'm trying. <laughs> I was actually thinking of a good point. Like, yeah, like, but like we didn't really talk about how long American kid Jews is going to really be able to stay in America anyway. You know, like is that's a fear that you'll come a back. Lot of you'll, come, you'll come back for that one. <laughs> if we, by the way, we'll come back for that one. We'll definitely figure that one out. If we have anti-Semitism, then right. then all like major, then right. all bets are off. It's right. like right. Right. Or Germany, right? Germany, right? Anti-Semitism was ingrained regionally, right. but like in Argentina or wherever, like in Thailand, they didn't really know from Jews. Now anti-Semitism is like ingrained digitally, you know. Yeah. And it's like so when they want to turn the ovens on, like what's gonna like? Let's hope that doesn't. I think happen. I think Daniel's gonna have his own podcast. I love that. I think we're promoting him. He's totally like gonna have a podcast. Need somebody else to just tell me what to talk about <laughs> when they turn the ovens on. Hold on. Sorry. I think I knew. Hold on. Same things were to be activated today. Like, what would it be like? Because then it was only regional. Obviously, I don't really think it can end that way. That's not my theology, but I do think like we Jews are programmed to think that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's like, if, you, if you have a Jewish re, like education, then you can't help but think that way. All right, hold on, Yoella. I got to get back to Yoella. Do bright dark. Where are we going with synagogues? American synagogue, the Americans, the great American the great. synagogue. So I think there's a big schism, like there's a big schism between the conservative and reform experience that has embraced Zoom, and the Orthodox community that hasn't and and won't, right? Like for for sure. halachic reasons, as we interpret it. Um, I think that the more that we can look at ourselves as a community together, and this idea of like us enriching one another. And really thinking about how to do that financially, socially, communally, whatever that looks like, I think we'll all rise. The more that we operate in our silos, the more I think we're going to fall. And so I think really coming together and saying like the 70 faces of the 70 faces of God is like a real thing. And that the the concept that I, I view like Loba Shamayim, it's not in this, it's not in the heavens that our Judaism or our history isn't in the heavens. It's on us. How do we create that meaningfully? And I think it means being together in community um, in contrast to what brought about the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash of the temple, right? Like that was a huge political fighting among Jews, which is right. what we're having now, right. right? About Israel, which we're not talking about. We're, we're really not allowed not to talk about, about that. Okay. We're not talking about yeah. it. But like really learning and training and saying, this is a priority for us. I I was with somebody um, on, on Sunday who was, who is who is orthodox centrist orthodox and is very involved in federation and 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 they were with my friends who are who are secular israelis and they love each other and that that is beautiful and i think the shul needs to play a central role in creating that 
just like the school and just like every other Jewish institution. Good stuff. Also, oh, oh, there's also, more. There's a, oh, yeah. P.S. P.S. Yeah. By the way, I gotta mention this. So, like, in contrast to this like awful, <laughs> unorthodox <laughs> Netflix situation, we have our two Shomer oh, Shabbos yeah. Orthodox major oh, league. Oh, that, that is great. I very much want my baseball. Yeah, that is great. I very much want my 11 year old son to be aware that like their Judaism is not being portrayed to the media as a burden, which is like he always wants to be a football player and like college football's on Saturday, dude. He's like, oh. you, know, you see the last pick, the, the Washington unique. Nationals came through yeah. for the second one. Very yeah. powerful. Amazing. Very and powerful. I said to my, I said to my daughters it, while they were in the bath, I said, guys, you can be professional soccer players if you're good enough. And said, I'm good enough, mommy. Oh, I, was like, I like we'll it. See about wow. that. Baseball and floor hockey. Tiger All right. <laughs> Rabbi Daniel Levitt, thank you. Yeah, Rabbi Micah Peltz, thank you. All right, we're going to go out with this. I don't... Ooh. <laughs> you wanted it. And by the way, if you take a look, Schlock Rock, baby. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for looking. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Minion Man, baby. All right, thanks, everybody. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. It's a classic. He said to me, there used to be.